I'm so glad to welcome you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes, an update on a children's toy I told you about that has been causing deaths. New information for you to make sure your child's home is safe and ship shape. And coming up later, healthcare has been getting steadily, obviously, much more expensive, and costs have been growing much greater than the rate of overall costs in the U.S. economy. But now there's a new strategy being tried to lower those costs for you and me. I want to talk right now about technology being used to solve crimes and prevent them. And these technologies have really good uses, but at the same time, big creep-out factors and in the wrong hands could lead to uh, real erosions of our freedom, privacy, and potentially our democratic ideals in the United States and other countries that uh, freedom is part of the equation. I wanted to tell you a story about a product that Google has internally that is one that has now been discovered by law enforcement, and Google is getting hit with more and more um, court orders to disclose information to law enforcement. The technology is called Sensor Vault, and it's a pretty amazing thing. Google can get hit with a court order that when there's an unsolved crime, let's say an unsolved murder, Google can provide, after searching the data in Sensor Vault, who all the people were who were in the area where the crime was committed in a specified time in the subpoena that they've been issued. So let's say they know that the time of a murder was 10.17 p.m. on such and such a date. So Google gets hit with a subpoena to disclose who all was in the immediate vicinity of the murder on that date at that time. And Google can supply that. It takes them some time because they're getting so many requests from law enforcement, and it allows for a lot of crimes that are particularly very violent, like murder, to be solved that were unsolvable before. You know, generally with a crime that's a violent crime, if so often the high solving rate of those crimes are because often those crimes are between two people who know each other or sadly relatives that there's violence between relatives, between a spouse, whatever. But when a crime is between strangers, it's much harder to solve. And that's where Sensor Vault comes into it. The problem is, if the police act before doing other investigative work, an innocent person can end up charged with a crime. According to the New York Times, that happened recently with a gentleman who was arrested for murder in Arizona, locked up, loses his job, his vehicle that was impounded gets repossessed, has no car, no job, and has had to start life over. And the police were like, oh, well, 
and then they went back to Sensor Vault, the information they got, and they were able to figure out who the actual perpetrator was. But they didn't do enough investigative work up front and took what they got from Google Sensor Vault and went after the wrong person with great consequences were terrible for that person, but a murder that likely would have never been solved was solved on the second try. But the thing is, that's the issue, is that these technologies are so strong and available now. I don't know if you've heard of one that more and more businesses are using around the world, but it is a technology that was developed by a bar owner who was really frustrated by the um, pickpocketing that was going on in his bar, and it was hurting his bar traffic because so many people were being pickpocketed in there, and then you don't ever want to go back, right? In his one bar, they were having 15 pickpockets a month. Must be a pretty busy bar. So they came up with a technology from off-the-shelf available uh, cameras and computer parts and software called FaceWatch that's able to scan the people coming into a retail store, a restaurant, any public space, and is able to determine if somebody is a fugitive from justice or has, let's say in the case of a bar, they've ever been arrested for pickpocketing in the past, a retail store been arrested for shoplifting in the past, and real time in a, in a retailer, the loss prevention people, in other words, people that catch shoplifters, are alerted there's someone with priors for shoplifting walking around the store right now. They can follow them on the cameras while they're in the store and have a much higher success rate at catching people who have been historically shoplifters. So all these technologies can be used for positive purposes for society, but the intrusion into our privacy is obviously an issue. Falling into the wrong hands like a totalitarian government like the Communist Party in China, and there, are, there are reasons why this technology is not all good, not all bad, but is more and more becoming a part of your and my life every day. Eric is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing very well, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. And Eric, one of the giant monster mega banks, is mistreating your sister. What, what are they doing to your sister? They won't let her cancel her mortgage insurance request. Her uh, private mortgage insurance? insurance? And yes. And w- what excuse is the bank giving for not allowing your sister out of PMI? Um. They won't allow her to get a new appraisal. The only appraisal they'll consider is the one at the time of closing. How long has she been in the property? Six years. Okay. Has she, as best you know, has your sister been late on payments at any time? No. It says she's been great on her, her, they do a 12-month history. You know, no payments have been more than 30 days late. Everything's good. She just doesn't have the 78% loan-to-value that they would like. And that's only considered with the uh, old appraisal. Okay, so she has the right, she has the right, um, the dog's upset about this too, right? Yes, very upset. So she has the right to do what's called appraise out of private mortgage insurance. You don't have that right 
with what's known as MIP when something's an FHA loan. Uh-huh. But, but with a conventional loan, you have the right to appraise out. And so if she's talking to customer no service at the giant monster mega bank, then she should, if they're not allowing her to do a new appraisal and appraise out based on so many people in the country, and I'm going to explain in a second, can appraise out right now, she should file a complaint against the bank at consumerfinance.gov. Okay. Now, that's the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which uh, has been reined in a lot on over uh, on regulations of businesses, but they still seem to be very effective when somebody files a complaint about a financial institution, a bank, breaking the law. And they only have a short period of time to answer and set things right. So if she goes to consumerfinance.gov, she'll see, remember, it's a .gov, not a .com. Over okay. to the right, right as soon as she gets there, she'll see submit a complaint. And so that complaint will go into Consumer Finance. They then send it on to a special department at the bank that must answer back to her and to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. And odds are they will come up with some reason why they're blaming her for not letting her proceed. But of course she can do it. And here's our list of appraisers she can use. Yeah, that's what we asked for originally. And this is what they sent us. This, Sorry, we can't do that. Yeah, so you, you got somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. So yeah. uh, that I doubt that it's, in a situation like this, I doubt that it's the bank trying to cheat her. I think it's just a lack of competence. Okay. So uh, have her file that complaint today because it starts the 30-day clock, and hopefully she will have a removal of the PMI once she appraises out. She must use one of their approved appraisers on their list that they will supply her. Yes, yes. All right, so then the next thing, how long has this been going on that she's been trying to appraise out? Uh, We just started this like three weeks ago. Okay, so in my mind, the bank owes her one month of PMI premiums once she appraises out because it's their fault that she's been delayed in appraising out. So that okay. comes next. First, you just want to get the process going. Yeah. All right. So let me explain uh, what's going on, Eric, with why people should be doing this. So from 2012 to today, the average home value in the United States has gone up by some measures over 60% and others by 80%. And of course, all real estate is zip code local, so it can vary how much homes have gone up where you are. But if you've been in a house like she has since, I think you said, 2013, the reality is the value of her home has probably gone up quite a bit. So even if you haven't paid down a substantial amount on the mortgage, you have the right to appraise out of paying private mortgage insurance, which is the unbelievably expensive monthly insurance cost you have for having less than 20% down on your home originally. Once you have great equity in your home, whether it happens from you paying down on the mortgage or the increase in the value of your home, you have the right to do this thing called appraising out. And that's because the risk to the lender has been removed by the amount of equity 
that your home now has, the value of it in excess of the mortgage balance. And that's why you want to stop paying PMI when you don't need to, because it's like money going down a toilet once you have sufficient value in your home. Matt is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Matt. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. You are somebody with an ultra-high credit score, but you're dissatisfied. <laughs> I know. Uh, my question might be a little, uh, I guess, not normal per se. I definitely have a 772 credit score, which I know is incredibly wonderful. And while I'm like very, very happy about that, I wasn't sure if there was anything that I could do to increase that. Uh, definitely, it might be a little bit of a perfectionist mindset, which I, I know my fiance typically tells me to take a chill pill about. But uh, nonetheless, I wanted to give you a call and get your thoughts. All right. So what kind of credit do you have? Um, credit cards, yes. car loan, home loan. Tell me what you got. Yeah. So uh, no loans whatsoever. It's mainly credit cards, particularly. Uh, it's roughly four cards with two additional um well, I guess two additional accounts that would be open, but they're authorized user accounts. So I guess it brings it up to a total of six with a credit utilization score uh, roughly around 5%. So if you're um, at 5%, funny. you already went into the territory I was going to talk about. You're going to have a hard time getting your score higher from where it is unless you took your credit utilization down even marginally lower from that, which you would do mm-hmm. by prepaying your credit card balances before the bill closing date each month. Mm-hmm. Okay. And would there be anything else that I could be doing on my end? Um, I imagine it has to do with the kind of the length that the accounts have been open themselves. But that's um, still and- that's still marginal points. I mean, you're okay. already in rarefied air. You have any credit score above six uh, seven sixty, and you can qualify for the best rates on any loan there is out there and okay. getting above 760 little cushion is good particularly if you're applying for a mortgage but other than that this is really just bragging rights but do you have a credit karma dashboard i do i do actually and this is where i, I got all the information all right so credit karma will tell you what what minor tweaks you can make that might raise your score some but my guess is the only move you have to play is let these cards get older, which will help just a few points, and pay your bills five days before the closing date for each of the four active credit cards, and that should give you a little booster on your score also. Today's Clark Rageous Moment is an update on something that I told you about recently when the first information came out about the problems with the Fisher Price rock and play. At that time, there were 10 sweet young children who had died in this device. And then it came out about a week later that there are now uh, somewhere around three dozen children who have died in the Fisher Price rock and play. And I just want you to know that if you have one of these, they are all being recalled, five million of them. And this is a device that parents have loved, and it was an unknown problem that children would suffocate and die in this device. But it is highly dangerous, particularly once a child reaches about three months of age. So if you have one in use, you should take it back to where it came from and get 
a refund for it. And this is a terrible problem, obviously, for retailers dealing with 5 million of these purchased. Uh, But the thing is, the danger is so great. The Fisher Price says with 5 million of these out there, that it's going to take many, many months to process all the refunds that people might be expecting. Uh, And the money is not the important part. It is the safety of these precious young children that's on the line. And no matter how wonderful it's been having this as a device to calm your child, it's too dangerous for you to have. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever get ripped off, rip you off, or let anybody else ever get ripped off, right? We're all getting ripped off with health care in the United States in a move that apparently is unprecedented in the modern world outside of wartime. We in the United States have had year after year of declining lifespans. In the midst of us spending roughly one-fifth of our national wealth each year on health care, approaching 20% of all the output in the United States is going to health care, we now have a lifespan in the United States that is shorter than all developed countries and now ranks below many third world countries or developing countries, whatever you want to call them. And this is in spite of this massive spending. And so that's why is the politicians debate how we do health care in the country. They're only talking about who's going to pay and where the coverage is going to come from and all that. It misses the real heart of the issue, which is in the United States, it's not who's going to pay, it's how much we're paying for health care and the fact that our system flat out is broken. Just think of that combination. The next largest amount any developed country is paying for health care in the world is 9% of its nation's output each year. And we're doing 20. So we're getting no results, negative results, declining lifespans with this massive spend. So there's going to have to be major change. And one of the organizations that, believe it or not, is trying to bring about significant change is a player right in the middle of it, CVS that owns Aetna. They're setting up what are known as health hubs. Because a lot of times what drives up the cost of health care is when people with chronic conditions or with minor conditions, lacking suitable access to routine care, end up not getting care till they're really sick, or somebody with a chronic condition ends up with a big medical reversal, and they end up being sicker and much more expensive to treat in a hospital-based setting. And so CVS, with the health hub... And this is not a concept. This is something they're, they're opening up health hubs and trying to figure out exactly what the right mix should be. But in these health hubs, they're offering medical care 
instead of by primary care doctors, they're offering it with nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. The cost for CVS having the these healthcare professionals instead of primary care doctors is cuts their costs by about 60% for the labor cost of providing the primary care medical provider being a PA or a nurse practitioner. But it's a lot more than that, having respiratory therapists there and uh, a lot of allied professionals in the health hubs that are open long hours, seven days a week, in addition to having a lot of nutrition guidance and exercise guidance, exercise programs, the whole emphasis is on reaching people early at lower cost, whether they have insurance or not, and to try to prevent illnesses becoming worse or people who have had rocky health histories to try to make them healthier. And I read a wonderful story about how this is something CVS is spending a fortune on. And Barron says they're doing it even if it reduces their profits, just because the company believes so much about the concept of trying to bend the cost curve in medicine. I, I hope that they create a a rush of a marketplace for a lot of imitators because this system we have in the U.S. where patients are not looked at as customers and the, the attitude that we're presented generally in medicine as the patient is generally indifferent or hostile and it is a broken system at so many levels in so many ways. And my favorite analogy is to look at the difference about how people are treated by dentists versus how people are treated by doctors in traditional medicine. Uh, Dentists, parking's free when you go see them. Doctors, you pay for parking. Dentists, Getting appointments is a friendly process. Doctors, getting an appointment is like a tug of war so often. The lack of follow-through, the lack of warmth in traditional medicine is ridiculous. And you look at dentistry, it's completely the opposite. If you're a doctor offended by what I'm saying, think about your experience when you go see a dentist Versus when you need to see a doctor, what it's like for you getting through an uncaring, unfeeling, or hostile bureaucracy to get care. Kevin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Clark. How you doing? I Great gotta say, to- uh, you are by far and away my fa- most favorite Atlanta Falcons fan I've ever met. <laughs> I do love the NFL. Me too. How can I serve you? Well, actually, um, I'm very disappointed that Debitize is gone oh. out of uh, business. Oh. And, um, Put the stake right in my heart, would you? Me too. Yes, and I, I know that sometimes you can't mention a couple of these names, so I'm a little reluctant to do that. Uh, but they bought them out. I've heard you talk to them on the show, and 
not in a positive bad. light. All right, so let me let me give background to people who don't know why we're both distressed. So there were two companies competing with each other, one called Debix, the other called Debitize, that both had the same idea pretty much. And it was a brilliant offering to make it possible for people to use the superiority of a credit card instead of the inferiority of a debit card, but at the same time not go into debt using a credit card. And what they did was they automated the process of making sure that you were only charging to a credit card what you could afford to pay, what you had money available to pay, just as if it was a debit card. And neither could come up with a working business model, and they're both gone now. So um, the, the service is non-existent, and it's very frustrating to me because I, I thought it was such a great way of automating, making sure people didn't go into debt for lifestyle. Now, the people who bought them, it's a company that, um, that I've not been particularly thrilled about of late. And they did not buy the service. They shut down the service. So I guess they only bought the customer list is what they got. So how are you going to control your credit card spending now with no debitize or debits? I am going to have to uh, just uh, follow the model that debitize uh, pretty much ran. Uh, and I'll be able to do that. I'll, you know, I'm going to have to monitor what I really liked about debitize was that you had a limit, you know, the checking account limit. So if you went a little overboard, you got that warning. So I'm just going to have to uh, watch my accounts until another competitor uh, comes up and creates something similar to debitize. So I don't have that for you, but we're going to go back to the past. Before these automated services came up, we had on Clark.com where you could print out kind of like the equivalent of a little check register that you printed out and cut out and wrapped around your credit card. And like okay. a check register, you manually would write down every transaction and your balance. And it's, it's certainly not anywhere near the solution, which is why we discontinued it once these automated things came along. And you know I'm going to keep my eyes open for a service equivalent of what those did that keeps people from going into debt with credit cards. But right now, um, I'm coming up empty. That's okay, Clark. I, I listen to you every day, so I'm sure sure uh, if something comes up, you'll let us know. Oh, let me tell you, I'm looking all the time for that answer that allows people to use credit cards with the real protections. Because as a regular listener would know, like you, debit cards do not have the consumer protections that credit cards have. And so it's a dangerous thing to use one, especially for anything you're buying that you're going to receive at a later date, like ordering online or travel or anything like that. So that's why debitize and debits were such great things. But the business model. Mark is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mark. Hi, Clark. Thanks for uh, taking my question. Sure. What's going on? So um, I know how you feel about debit cards, but my wife and I found a, a, a bank or a, a, it was a credit union offering a really good um, interest rate of 4%. 
and up to fifty thousand dollars. But one of the conditions is you have uh, to on balance is up to fifty thousand. Is what? You oh, know, that's right? correct. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, but one of the conditions is you have to do nine debit card purchases a month. Right. So we kind of found this irresistible, and we signed up for it, and we signed up for the Visa um, purchase alerts to help mitigate some of the risk. And we find that works maybe a little more than half the time that we actually get the alert. (laughs) That's not not even horseshoes working a little more than half the time, is it? (laughs) But it's worth uh, the risk. So you just heard me trash debit cards, right, uh, just a second ago. And now I'm telling you that it's worth the risk to do the the debit card transactions nine a month or more so you can earn, uh, you said, 4% on a checking account? That's correct. I mean, that's a tremendous offer. So uh, they're doing it because the credit union gets such massive fees when you use a debit card as if it's a credit card. They'll probably, they probably explain that you're supposed to, when it says debit or credit, clear as credit. Uh, they did not mention that, and it's been working using the PIN number. Using the PIN also? Hmm. That's unusual. Yeah. All right. Because usually these offers, you'll be instructed by the bank or credit union offering these checking accounts that you get the nice interest on. But if they're doing it, whether you clear as debit or credit, that's great. And they're paying for the interest on the fees that they're earning for the clear of plastic. So, you know, a credit union is there for its members, and they're able to offer this to you where you're earning this money. I mean, over the course of a year, if you were maintaining that balance, you're earning, uh, what is it, $2,000 That's right. a year. That's fantastic. So keep grabbing that money. All right. Thanks, Clark. Sure. Have a great day. Uh, you too. So isn't that fun to be able in an era where the giant monster mega banks pay basically 0% even on savings accounts to go to a credit union and earn as high as 4% on a checking account instead of being feed to death on a checking account, as is so often true with the giant monster mega banks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jennifer. How you doing? Hi, Clark. Thanks for having me on the show. Certainly. Jennifer, you're getting some unwelcome calls. Tell me about that. 
Yes. So in about the past three months, I've been getting a lot of calls from uh, credit collection agencies. Um, However, they are for my ex-husband. And um, I, it turns out one of them told me that my phone number is on his credit report. And I checked my own credit report and his old phone numbers do indeed appear on my reports. So I was able to clear those by disputing them. But then I asked how to get my numbers off of his report. And they, of course, said for privacy reasons, I can't, I can't do anything about his report. And I was wondering if there was some way to get those off of his report. Only if he would remove them. Only if he would tell the credit bureau that there's an error on his report. But unfortunately, he's not going to do that. I, I, get, no, I get the drill. All right. So I need to ask you something. When the collection agencies call... Yes. Do they tell you that they're calling for him? Do they ask for him at your they number? Ask, yes, they immediately ask for him. They don't even ask for my name. They are asking for him. And do they say this is this call is in reference to a collection of a debt, or they're calling saying they were trying to reach him about a personal matter, or how do they put it? Um, different ways. Uh, a personal matter, collection. I, I think I've heard you know probably three or four different ways that they phrase it because uh, technically technically under the law they are not supposed to say to you as a third party that they're calling about a debt they can say they're calling about a business matter a hmm. personal matter uh, a private matter a confidential matter those are all phrases that collectors use but you know their collection agencies calling i can tell from, from well, the nature well, of the calls one specifically said it was about student loans Okay, which they should not have done. All right, so all you can do for now is don't answer any call unless it's from a person you know, recognize, and and expect a call from. Okay. And so I never, ever answer my phone unless I know who's calling. Okay. And so you have historically just if the phone rings you answer it uh yes i don't get that many calls and so yes i do well, now you're gonna talk to fewer people right <laughs> i guess so and that will really help and okay. you can even put on your voicemail um i'm something to the effect if you were calling for blah 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 i have no idea where where that individual is or what his phone number is so they hear that Okay. And maybe they'll go away. Okay. Maybe they won't, but at least (laughs) you should not be uh, revisiting what's going on with your ex by answering these calls and engaging anybody in conversation. Yes. And so I, I hope that helps, and I wish there was an easier way to get the calls to stop. Sadly, there's not. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.